Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Conquest and Defeat series, which walks through the book of 2 Samuel, discovering life's journey of grace, mercy, and faith. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Have you ever been around someone um, who you probably would title a, uh, a cook-from-scratch type of cook? been around somebody like that. They don't need a recipe. They don't ever use a recipe. And when they're cooking something, someone will like it. And they'll say, oh, could I get the recipe? And they'll say, no. Well, why? Because it's just in my head. I just, I just kind of put things together. They're, they're the person that they know exactly what the recipe calls for, even though there is no recipe. They know what the, they know what the, uh, the item calls for, the dish. They can taste it, and they'll add a pinch of this and taste it, and then they'll add a little douse of salt, and they'll taste it, and then they'll put something else in there. They really don't, don't go along with any of the instructions, the recipes that were given. They just know what needs to be added. I remember when Hannah and I first got married, <coughs> excuse me, Remember when we first got married that uh, there would be times when she would make something and I would say, man, where'd you learn to make this? And she'd say, well, I just kind of threw it together. I'm like, what do you mean you threw it together? She'd say, yeah, it was just in the kitchen and I thought these ingredients would go together and they did and it worked out. And I remember coming home a few times and her cooking something and mom saying, oh, I need the recipe for this. And I'd say, well, I can give it kind of, I can kind of rough, I can kind of guess what's in there. You can guess what's in there. Yeah, I didn't really pay attention. I just, I just knew it needed this and I added it. And, and I'm, not, I'm not that type of a cook. I can add things, but it ain't gonna taste right. I don't cook. My dad did. Dad cooked and he always was that way. Add some things in. You know what? Those cooks know, those uh, folks who can cook from scratch, they know exactly, listen, they know exactly what needs to be added in order for the item to be complete. They know, they know exactly what needs to be put in in order to make it taste just right. Tonight, as we come to 2 Samuel chapter 23, we're gonna look at this and we're gonna find out what needs to be added to make something just right. What needs to be added to make something complete. Not a, not a dish, we're not in the kitchen cooking tonight, but really, if I could say it, in the kitchen of life. And every one of us, we are, uh, we are being uh, uh, worked on, and God is adding ingredients into our life, and the Lord is trying uh, to bring things into our lives, characteristics, to help us be complete in him or more, more mature in him. And tonight, as we come to 2 Samuel chapter 23, I think that we're gonna find a number of ingredients of things, characteristics specifically, that you and I need to add into our life to help us become a complete Christian, to help us become, I'm gonna use the phrase tonight, a mighty believer of God, a mighty follower of God. If you've been with us in our series, then you know that we've seen a lot transpire in the lives of the people of Israel more specifically in the life of a man by the name of David. We've watched him go from the pasture to the palace, from shepherding sheep to uh, leading the land. And while he's definitely had his ups and downs, David is seen in scripture, and, and you can go to any Bible scholar or Bible student or anybody in church that's been in church for any length of time, and they'll tell you, man, one of the best leaders in all of the Bible is King David. I mean, that's what people admit. 
One of the best leaders that God used in an incredible way. As a matter of fact, God calls David a man after his own heart. And while there is a lot that we could learn from the life of David, tonight I don't want us to look at David's life. Tonight I want us to look at those who were behind David. And I want to give you a quote tonight just that I think will help us a little bit. It's just a simple thought. But often, behind good leaders are better people. Often, behind good leaders are better people. While David was definitely used by God, we need to know that David, he was not alone. He wasn't alone in how he was used by God. As a matter of fact, God brought some incredible people to help support David and to serve him. And then God would actually set aside an entire portion of scripture to highlight a number of those people. And that's the passage that we come to tonight in 2 Samuel chapter number 23. And so take your Bible, if you will, and you don't need to stand. We're going to read a number of names tonight. I'll be honest, I'll probably butcher some of the names, uh, but I want us just to kind of get a glimpse of the passage and then learn some characteristics of these mighty men of God, how God used them and the characteristics that we can apply to our lives. 2 Samuel chapter 23, beginning in verse number eight. These be the names of the mighty men which David had. The Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite. How do you like that for a name, huh? One of the three mighty men with David when they defied the, Philist- defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and, and he smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and, and his hand clave unto the sword. And the Lord wrought or brought about a, a great victory that day. And the people returned after him. They came back only to spoil. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But this man, he, he stood in the midst of the ground and he defended it. And he slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. And three of the 30, chief, went down and came to David in the harvest time unto the cave of Adullam. This would be 1 Samuel chapters number 20 and 21. And the troop of the Philistines, they pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was then in an hold. And the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David, he longed. And he said, oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate." And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and they drew, out water, they drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate. They took it and they brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. And Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zariah, was chief among the three. And he lifted up his spear against 300 and slew them and had the name and had the name among three. Was he not the most honorable of three? Therefore, he was their captain. Howbeit, he attained not unto the first three. 
And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, and the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, and and, uh, he plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name, a name among the three mighty men. And he was, more honor, he was more honorable than 30, but he attained not to the first three. And David set him over his guard. Asahel, the brother of Joab, was one of the 30. Elhanan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem, as a common name back then. You had Dodo the Ahohite and Dodo of Bethlehem. Shammah, the Herodite, Elika, the Herodite, Helez, the Pale Tite, Ira, the son of Ekesh, of the Tekoite, Abiezer, the Anathothite, that's a good one too. Uh, Mabunai, the Hushethite, this just gets a lot. Zalman, the Ahohite, Merariah, the Netophathite, Heleb, the son of Baana, a, Netoth- uh, yeah, a Netophathite. Ataiah, the son of Rabiah, out of Gibeah, of the children of Benjamin. Benaiah, the Parathonite. Hediah, of the brooks of Gaash. Uh, Abalbon, that's a good one too. Uh, that's a Spanish name? All right. Uh, the Arbathite, Asmaveth, the Barhumite, Aliba, and uh, the Shalbonite. The sons of Jashin, Jonathan, Shammah, the Herarite. Oh my goodness. Aham, Ahiam, excuse me, the son of Sharar, the Herarite, Alephalet, the son of Ahab, Ahazbiah, or Ahazbiah. That's a good one, son. Uh, the son of, uh, where am I? The son of Maacathite, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gileanite, Hezri, the Carmelite, Perari, the Arbite. Egal, the son of Nathan of Zobah, Bani, the Gadite, Gadite, Zelek, the Ammonite, Nehariah, the Berathite, Armorbearer to Joab, the son of Zariah, Ira, the Ithrite, Gareb, the Ithrite, Uriah, the Hittite, 30 and 7 in all. Whew. Read that five times fast. You know, all those names, you say, Pastor Dennis, why do you read those names? Because God put them in here for a reason. He put them in here for us. And tonight, what I want us to do is I want us to take just a few minutes and I want us to figure out from this passage and from some of the stories surrounding the life of David that we know many of these men are included in. And I want to I get some of the character traits of these men. I mean, God called them the mighty men of David. That's a, that's a good testimony, isn't it? I mean, if you're David, a man after God's own heart, one of the greatest rulers and kings in Israel, and still to this day, you talk to any Hebrew, go to Israel and talk to any Hebrew, who do they look at as one of the, uh, the greatest kings that they've ever had is King David. I mean, people who don't even revere God will speak of King David and all of the many things over in Israel that are named after David or something having to do with David's reign. If you look at it and all the amazing things feats of David. And yet God said, these are David's mighty men. These are David's mighty men. Hey, you know about David, but let me tell you about those who were behind the king. Let me tell you about those who who supported the king. Because often behind a good leader are better people. And tonight I want to look at their lives and I want to get some simple characteristics, some ingredients, if you will, that we should put into our life and say, God, 
I, I don't want to be a, a mighty man of David, but I'd love to be a mighty man of Jehovah King. I'd love to be a mighty believer that follows the King of Kings. And I believe there's some great traits for us tonight. And so let's pray, and then we'll get right into it. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take just a second, and would you ask God to, to speak to you today? You can pray something simple. Dear God, please speak to my heart. Dear God, please speak to my heart. And then make a commitment that as God speaks to you, you're going to listen to him and you're going to respond to him tonight. Dear Lord, we just want to come before you. We want to thank you for the word of God. I want to thank you, Lord, for how you use it to help us. God, thank you tonight that we know that your word is a living book and that you desire to direct us in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that as we look into your word, that you would help it uh, to help us for this week. Thank you for your love. Thank you for all that you have in store for us. Help us to tune into you these next few minutes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The passage tonight, I just want us to look at a couple of different angles at this passage, um, we're going to get some, some of these characteristics, but really, I want us to see the, the application from, from two angles, if you will. The first angle that we'll close with is the fact that I think every person could look at these mighty men of David, and we could ask God, God, help me to take their characteristics so that I could be a mighty believer, a mighty follower of Jesus Christ. Um, we all know, we can see the connections of, of David. Those of you that have been in church, David is a great picture of Jesus as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I don't know about you, but I want to follow him like many of these men followed after King David. I want to, I want to have the same characteristics. So that's the first thing. We'll end with that tonight. But I also think that the second area that we could apply this in is, is to those around us that lead us. Now, I'll be honest, on a Sunday night, I would even apply this to a, a church and a pastor, that uh, every, every church needs, needs people like these men in here. But I also think you could apply it to the workplace. Man, adding characteristics into our life to make me a better servant where I work or in the home or whatever the case may be, taking some of these characteristics and then bringing them into our life to help me be that mighty believer, that mighty follower, that, that, uh, that mighty Christian who has a testimony to others. So what are the characteristics? What do mighty men do? What do mighty believers do? I want you to notice, first of all, tonight that, that mighty believers, they stand. Mighty believers, they stand, and I'll say it this way, they stand when others flee. They stand in faith when, when others cower. We won't do it because we just read the whole passage, but in reading about these men, if we were to go back to the beginning of the passage, we read specifically about uh, the first few verses about three men, Adino, Eliezer, and Shammah. These three men, they stood and, and the Holy Spirit uh, uh, told the writer of 2 Samuel to label them as those that stood when others fled. Did you see that when we were going through that? What did Adino do? Adino, he killed 800 at one time. Other people left, but he stayed, and he was one of the mightiest of them all, killing 800 at one time. Eliezer, he stood to protect ground when others fled, and what happened? They came back, and what they find? They just found, they just found a bunch of bodies and the spoil. 
because of, because of uh, Eliezer, Shammah, what did he do? He, he battled for a field of lentils. All of the people of Israel, they, let, they left and, and he fought for a field of crops. That's all he did. And yet he's, that's all that they have on, on record right here for him. What is the highlight of those three? Why, do I, why would I even lean and say that those three, I mean, you, you were reading it with me. Did you see the multiple times when it said they didn't, but they didn't attain unto the first three? They didn't attain unto the first three. They weren't like the first three. These are the first three. The first three, Adino, Eliezer, Shama, the first three, they're the ones listed. And what's their key characteristic? Hey, they stood when other people ran. Hey, they stood their ground when other people fled. We know uh, just a little about a few of these stories. We don't know much, but the Holy Spirit here is determined to illuminate for us, to bring to light for us the fact that these men, they stood with David and they stood for David when others fled. They stood for the cause. They stood for faith. They stood when, when some of even their leaders fled away, when even Joab or, or other leaders would flee. These stood their ground. They were not moved in their position. They were not moved in their dedication to the cause of Christ and to the, or to the cause of God and to the people of God. They stood faithful. They stood in the midst of struggles. You know what mighty followers do? Mighty followers, they stand for the Lord regardless of what other people do. Again, we're going to apply this to us as, as Christians can I say tonight that there's a lot of Christians that are fleeing standing for God? There's a lot of Christians, and I said it two weeks ago, there's a lot of Christians that are cowering in the face of, of political correctness. And a lot of Christians who are cowering in the face of, my wife and I were talking about it last night, about uh, virtue signaling. And a lot of Christians who are, who are cowering to this idea that I've got to just kind of stay silent in culture. And, and if I just stay silent, then they'll let me love Jesus. And they'll know, listen, my friend, what our world needs and what Christianity needs today is some believers who are going to stand up for the Lord, regardless of what other people do. That doesn't mean that we stand up and we uh, belittle others and we uh, deface others and, and kind of uh, talk slanderously of people around us or, or gossip of those that we don't agree with. No, no, no. It just, it just simply means that in my life, my life is going to be a life that says, I stand for truth. I stand for the Lord. I, I stand for the things that are right and I stand in love. And these men, they stood when others fleed. And I just want us to understand that mighty, mighty followers, they stand up for the, for the truth and they stand up for the Lord. They stand up for the people of God. That's what these men did. They stood up for the Hebrew people. They stood up for the Israel, Israeli nation. They stood up for the Jews that were being persecuted by the Philistines. They, they stood for the people of God, but they also stood for the cause of God. And again, we don't have the time to do that. We would, I could break this up into probably four different messages and, and just preach on them, but we're not gonna do that tonight. What did they do? They just simply stood up and said, hey, no matter what anybody else does, we stand for God. You know what this world needs? This world needs some Christians who would stand fast. This is what Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter three. Now get this, the book of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians was written to the believers at Thessalonica. Do you know where it was written from? It was written from Corinth. That's where it was written from. 
So when Paul was in Corinth in Acts chapter number 18, that's when he's writing to the believers at Thessalonica. Those of you that have been with us on Sunday morning studying the book of Corinthians, can you imagine as Paul is sitting there in Corinth, maybe looking out, and Paul writes to the Thessalonians, hey, listen, if you have life, if you're alive in Christ, stand fast in the Lord. For now we live We live if you stand fast. Hey, we need some Christians in our culture. Paul looking out at Corinth and thinking, this place is a mess. It needs believers to stand strong. He would write to the believers at Philippi, therefore my beloved, dearly, excuse me, my brethren dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Ephesians 6, 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Why? So that you can be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, hey, do everything you can to stand. I'm looking forward. We'll be preaching through the book of Ephesians next year in, in that, that passage about one year from right now. I'm looking forward just to what it means to stand with the armor of God. But simply put, this is what Paul is saying. Hey, do everything you can to stand true, to stand faithful. Do everything you can to stand for the Lord. I see tonight that mighty believers, they stand, but also I want us to notice they serve. They serve. They stand regardless of who else stands. They, they stand in spite of people fleeing. But I want to say they serve in spite of fear. They serve in spite of fear. We read of all of these serving David and serving the Lord, but I think specifically of the second three that we read about. We read that they heard that David at the cave of Adullam in 1 Samuel chapter number 20, David's there at the cave of Adullam in verse number um, uh, one and two of of 1 Samuel, I think it's 20, might be 21. And uh, then verse three, he's in the hold near Moab. And these three guys, they're there and kind of surrounded by the Philistines, if you will. And David says, David says to him, man, Sure has been a while since I've been back to Bethlehem. At this point in David's life, now he's been running for years from Saul. And if we knew the history, knew the story, we could understand that David was just tired of running. Man, he was just, he was just tired of fighting. Tired of, tired of standing, if you will. At this point in David's life, I mean, a little bit later, David uh, defects to the Philistines for a short time and had that lapse of faith. But here's David before all of that, and he just says, man, it sure would be nice to get some water. Ah, but not just any water. There's a a little well. Mm. There's a little well right by where I grew up in Bethlehem. Oh, it's right right at the city's gate. There's a well at the Bethlehem at the city's gate and David's sitting there, maybe just sitting around a fire, just talking with his men inside of the cave and, and they're talking about memories and they're talking about good things and maybe one guy's saying, yeah, I just wish I could, I wish I could get some, some mom's cooking. That would be a blessing. And David says, oh, just, man, just a cup, just a cup of water from the, from the well at Bethlehem. Man, that'd, that'd refresh my soul. That'd refresh my spirit. Man, that'd give me some unction to to move forward more. And we read that three others, only two of them are named for us, Abishai and Benaiah. These two with one more, they, 
get up in the middle of the night. They make their way all the way down into past the enemy lines. They had some fighting that took place. The passage would lead us to believe and they break through enemy lines and they get all the way to the well of Bethlehem and they get just a cup and they guard it with their lives. And David wakes up in the morning, <sighs> stretching and Abishai and Benaiah say, hey, David, hey, we got something for you, man. And they pull out that cup of water. Imagine David looking at it. Now, now we... We kind of read this story and kind of think, well, what's significant about it? Listen, to David, it was like, if I could just get a cup of water, it's going to be refreshing. I mean, this is the one thing, this is the one thing that I know that God could give me just to keep me going forward. And they give him that cup. I imagine David with tears in his eyes. I'm going to have a water bottle. He has that cup. And he's looking at it. He's like, you, you guys endangered your life for me? You guys, you guys served me? And then David does something that's kind of curious. Because I think, I mean, we would think that if David would just, ah, thanks guys. We think that'd be kind of the end of the story. But David doesn't do it. Here's what he does. He takes it and he says, I dedicate this completely to God. I could not consume, I couldn't drink the water that endangered the lives of my men. I can't believe they served me like this. I pour this out as an offering to the Lord. And he pours it out. Now, honestly, at first, my wife and I asked her yesterday, I was like, what do you, what do you think about this? I mean, in my mind, I'm like, if I'm Benai or Abishai, I'm like, bro. <laughs> like, you could have at least given it to me. I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. But Hannah, my wife, she's a great scholar, so I'll give her this. Last night, she was like, she said, babe, it was just an act of worship. And I stopped again thinking about that. She said it was, it was not just a simple act of worship. It was probably one of the highest acts. Because, listen, Abishai and Benaiah, they're offering their best to their king. And David's taking their best and he's saying, this is too good for me. I'm offering it to God. It's almost like David is saying, you guys get it. You get it. You're not serving a king. Man, you're serving God Almighty. And he pours it out as an offering to the Lord, an act of worship. You know what? I think those men, honestly, in that moment, they were humbled. They were honored, man. The king took my gifts. The king took my offering and he gave it as an offering to the Lord. Wow, the king took what I did and he offered it back to God. You know what? You know what mighty men do? Mighty men serve regardless of the outcome, but God always blesses the outcome. Mighty believers serve regardless of the outcome. They didn't know that David was gonna pour it on the ground and offer it to the Lord. They didn't know that. But God honored these men, God honored their dedication, God honored their service, and they served David, but in the end, they were actually serving God. These mighty men, they served their king, and in, in reality, served the Lord. And what a blessing that David uh, had around him, people who served regardless what they got in return. These three, they didn't know what, hap what would happen, they just served the king. 
I say today that what this world needs is some Christians who serve regardless of what happens. Christians who serve others, serve each other. Galatians 5.13, brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Hey, you're free, but don't use your freedom. Don't use your liberty as an occasion uh, to, to the flesh to sin. No, but use it by love to serve one another. Hey, now that you're free in Christ, you're free to serve others. I think this world needs some Christians who just live servant leadership and serve God from their heart, serve others from their heart, but also serve the Lord. Colossians chapter three, verse 23 and 24, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to men. Knowing this, knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Why? Because you serve the Lord Christ. Hey, this world needs some Christians to say, I'm gonna stand I want to be a mighty believer. What's a mighty believer do? They stand for the truth. They stand for the Lord. What's a mighty believer do? They serve. They serve in spite of fear. They serve in, in spite of, uh, of the rewards that they, they don't know or they're going to get. Regardless of the outcome, they serve. What else do they do? They sacrifice. They sacrifice. We read about all of these names and we don't have time to name All of them again, nor would I want to have the tongue twister of doing everything. But every one of these men, they sacrificed over and over again for David and for the cause of God. They believed in David and they believed in the promises that God had given to David and through David to the people of Israel. And these men, they sacrificed their desires for the bigger picture. They sacrificed their time and their lives to invest God and, or excuse me, to invest in what God had given to them. And many of them, they literally gave their life. They literally died for the cause that they believed in. They left their towns. They left their farms. They left their places of comfort all to follow the God-appointed king that they knew was supposed to be king over Israel. Listen, they sacrificed time and time and time again. And that's what mighty believers do. They are those who sacrifice for the cause of Christ. Those who sacrifice for the king who live with a heart of sacrifice, maybe having that spirit of, Lord, what would you have me give to follow you? I mean, I'm not talking just monetary and not just money, but I think that's part of it that Christians believe that the, the, the forward motion of, of the Christianity, it demands sacrifice. I'm thinking even right now about our building. And uh, man, we just finished up on Friday Was it Friday? I can't, all my days run together. We just finished up on Friday, just finished up the concepts of, of, uh, of the floor plan of our building and what we're looking at. And now we're working with an architect and an engineer on making sure everything comes together and looking forward to presenting all of that on Vision Sunday in, in uh, 2022 and what God has in store. But listen, you know what it's gonna take? It's gonna take some sacrifice of God's people. It's gonna take us to realize that the forward motion of the church is gonna take some sacrifice on my part, some sacrifice on your part, some giving. But I don't believe that sacrifice, even for these men, stopped at a financial sacrifice. You know what they did? They gave of their time to serve the king. They gave of their, uh, uh, their desire. They gave up their plans to put God first and to put King David first. Many of them, Uriah the Hittite, gave his life serving the king. Man, think about that. Uriah the Hittite, remember him? That's the one who was married to Bathsheba before David stole her. And yet Uriah is still listed here. What did he do? Man, he gave his life. He was all in. What a sacrifice. You know what? We should have some more believers. And I think this world needs some Christians that would simply say, God, I want to sacrifice my way for yours. I want to I give up my desires for your desires. God, I'm all in. 
Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg you by the mercies of God that you'd present your bodies a, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hey, just lay your life on the altar every day. God, I give my life to you. What do you want from me today? And they sacrificed. These mighty men of God, they stood, they served, they sacrificed. But lastly tonight, mighty believers, they don't need the spotlight. And mighty believers, they don't need the spotlight. You want to know something that's interesting about all of these men, all of these names? If you go through the stories of David in First and Second Samuel, You know what you are not going to find? You're not going to find over half of these names in any of those stories. As a matter of fact, I don't know the exact number, but as a matter of fact, I believe that you don't even find, I I think there's 28 or 29 of these names that you never read. The only time we read it is right here in 2 Samuel 23. And yet they're listed as the mighty men of David. And some of them we never hear about. Some of them we never know about. We don't read of them getting a bunch of accolades. We don't read of them getting a bunch of promotions. We don't read of cities being named after them. They were, listen, they were just simple soldiers who followed their king and loved their God. And something I'll mention again in just a minute, but you wanna know something else outside of David One of the most key characters, one of the most mentioned characters in 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel next to David is Joab. Do you want to know who is not listed among the 37 mighty men? Joab. He's not in there. Do you know what you read? You read about so-and-so, the brother of Joab, so-and-so, the relative of Joab, but you never read Joab as one of the mighty men. You know what? These men that are listed here, they never really got the attention that they probably deserved. But you know what? It was okay with them. It was okay with them. They didn't demand attention. They didn't demand the spotlight. They served. They sacrificed. They stood in obscurity. Some of them were even betrayed by David like Uriah. I mean, killed as a result of the sin of David. And yet Uriah is still listed here. And he never got the attention that he deserved. I, I believe tonight that I think God is still interested in using people who don't need the spotlight. People who can stand, people who can serve, people who can sacrifice without the accolades. People who recognize that it's God that keeps record of our service. Where are the Christians that will just keep giving when no one says anything, that will keep witnessing even though it goes unnoticed, that'll keep singing and teaching and preaching and loving and and serving and greeting and and, uh, being an usher and being someone who cleans the church and being someone who works in a nursery? Hey, where are the believers who would say, you know what, I'll just keep serving. I don't need the spotlight. You know what, That's 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 a characteristic of a mighty follower of God. They don't need to be noticed. Why? because it's not for anybody else. And you know who notices? He does. He notices. Our verse last year, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast and unmovable, 
always abounding, always growing in the work of the Lord for as much as you know, hey, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why is my labor not in vain in the Lord? Why is my work not in vain? Because God sees it. Because God notices it. It's all about him. I don't care, what the, I don't care about the spotlight. I don't care who notices. It's all about him. Now, let's be honest. That's hard. That's a hard mentality. It's hard to go through excuse me, hard to go through and do things and be unnoticed, but it's not hard when you continually remember he notices. He sees it. He's keeping record. So as we close tonight, what can we learn from this? Well, I think first we should follow our leadership as these men did. Follow our leadership as these did. As a, as a pastor, I know these types of people are needed still in our church. Man, Christians who are gonna stand regardless of who stands and, and serve even when no one else does and keep giving and, and don't need the spotlight. Believers who just say, you know what? I'm just gonna strive to move forward for the Lord and I'm gonna follow my leadership, following the pastor. I get I'm the pastor, but I'm saying it anyways. Following the pastor, following the leadership, following those and saying, hey, I'm fully on board. I think there's a great application for that. But I think the bigger application on the grander scale should be, God, help me to follow you, my king, as these men followed their king. Man, God, help me to stand for you. God, help me to serve you. God, help me to sacrifice for you. God, help me to keep going and not demand the spotlight. God, David had some mighty men Help me to be a mighty believer. Now, I want to bring out a simple point from something that I mentioned a moment ago. And that's this, that in the life story of David, few people are mentioned more than David's right-hand general, Joab. As a matter of fact, Joab was with David almost all of David's life as a leader in Israel. Almost the whole time you read from, from uh, um, rise to leadership to David's death. Joab is present. And while Joab did some good things for David, he was known as a, um, at times as a great fighter. He was known as a good general. We don't read about Joab being listed among the names here. And one of the reasons is because Joab, in his last moments, he forsook the king. 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 28 reads this, the end tidings came to Joab, for Joab had turned after Adonijah, though he turned not after Absalom. Joab, he was faithful to the king for most of his life, and then he defected in the end. We don't believe that this was true of any other of David's mighty men. We don't have it on record most of the other men, we know they were faithful to death. But it was after this that Joab no longer deserved to have his name listed among David's mighty men. His brother remains on the list, verse 18 and 19. And if you caught it, even Joab's armor bearer is on the list in verse 37. Yet Joab, the captain of them all, is cut out because he defected against David at the very end. How sad to have come, listen, 
How sad to have come so far, but failed at the last. The last key characteristic I think we need to recognize and add into our life is just the simple characteristic of faithfulness. Hey, just be faithful. Faithful to who? Faithful to your king. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, it says this, let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ, the stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in a steward that man, in stewards that a man be found faithful. May we ask God tonight, God, help me to follow you as my king like these men did. Lord, help me not to be a Joab. Man, help me not to be a Joab. What did Joab do? Oh, he was faithful up until the very end. Now, what a testimony. Hey, what a missed opportunity. I look at these mighty men tonight and I just think, man, what can I learn from these men? I can learn what it means to be a mighty follower of God. Stand for him, serve him, sacrifice, don't need the spotlight, and then just be steadfast, be faithful. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.